Well, last Sunday, I mentioned a minute ago, during our Christmas um, service, that was just was every age group was participating. It was, it was wonderful. In the middle of that, I did a short message. We said it was about joy. And I based it on the text from Luke chapter 2, the 10th verse. And it said this, But the angel said to them, and them is the shepherds, the shepherds are out in the field, the angels come, this, this heavenly host comes and talks to the shepherds. So says, The angel said to them, to the shepherds out in the field, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. And last Sunday, we talked about joy. Does anybody remember what the acrostic meant? We gave an acrostic, J-O-Y. Remember what it meant? Jesus, others, yourself. And we talked about how if you want to have real joy in your life, the order of these matters. If you put Jesus at the center of your life, you'll intentionally think about how do I put others in front of myself like Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. He put others ahead of himself. And then you will value yourself. It doesn't mean that, you're a, that you don't matter. It means that, that you matter and that God loves you as you are, but you'll put others before yourself and then you'll love yourself the way God loves you. Your life and your heart will be filled with joy. Well, I think I said last Sunday, I just, I used that verse and for that, for that reason to talk about joy, but I just haven't been able to get past that verse, because there's something else in that verse that is so important for us at Christmas. It's part of the Christmas message, and it's something that I want to talk about this morning. It's this. The Christmas message reminds us, that text, of the inclusivity of Jesus. You see, the angels announced that the good news, what did it say? The good news of the gospel was good news for whom? For all people. It wasn't just good news for men. It wasn't just good news for the rich. It wasn't just good news for the powerful. It wasn't just good news for the religiously righteous. It was and is good news for all people. You see, in that day when, when Jesus, when that was proclaimed, that would have been a bombshell exploding. Because the people Jesus was talking to, that when, when, when the angel said that, they just couldn't have got their mind around them because for them, to that, to, that, to that Jewish person living under Judaism, they really misunderstood some things and they believed that God's good news was just really for men. Sorry, ladies. Christianity is the greatest thing for women's rights that ever happens on planet Earth because it says men and women are equal. But before that, they didn't get that. So... They thought it was just for men. The good news is for men. The good news was for the very good, the righteous. So that's why the Pharisees and Sadducees tried so hard to externally just keep all the laws. The good news was only for the whole. So if you were broken in any way, meaning physically even broken, you weren't welcome, they thought. And they thought, really, this good news is only for people of Judaism. But Jesus arrives on the scene and he blows the lid off that kind of thinking. He came into the world to redeem, it says this, mankind. Meaning he came to redeem, to rescue the human race. To rescue all of humanity. He gave his life to purchase all of humanity. To set all of humanity free from the struggle of sin. 
He makes salvation, which is new life in him, with the chains of sin being broken. He makes salvation available to all, it says, who turn from their own self-willed life and begin to follow him as Savior and Lord. That's the resounding cry of the Christmas message. It says, this is good news for all people. Jesus came for everyone, including you and including that neighbor or that relative that you don't like very much. Jesus came for everybody. And this was the message that Jesus continually repeated throughout his ministry life. He continually spoke to those that society thought were or either too far gone or just too bad. And he said, this good news of God himself, Jesus, coming to earth to set people free, this good news is for you too. It's for all humanity. So today what I want to do is I want to take a few minutes and I want to show you that this is exactly what Jesus did throughout his entire ministry life. He said, this message is for everyone. So let's think about that. Think about this first. That Think of what Jesus said to those who are the outcasts of society. Think about a person from Scripture, if you know the Scriptures, a man named Matthew. Familiar, ever heard of a guy named Matthew? There's a book that he penned with his name on it, the first book of the New Testament. And in the, do you know who Matthew was? Matthew, according to the gospel that bears his name, was a tax collector. Now, that may not stir up real positive emotions for us today, saying he was a tax collector, because none of us really likes to pay taxes, I don't think. But it was much worse back then. As a tax collector in Jesus' day, Matthew was viewed as a traitor, a traitor to his people. He was collecting taxes for the Roman government who occupied their land and was crushing the people with heavy taxation and oppression. And Matthew worked for the enemy. He worked for Rome. And Matthew oppressed his own people by even collecting more taxes than the Roman government required. See, Matthew was the worst kind of outcast he was hated by the Jews because he worked for the, for the Romans, and he was despised and hated by the Romans because they looked at Jews as just like they were just dogs. They were dirt. He was an outcast in everybody's perspective. But one day along comes this rabbi named Jesus. And in Matthew, the book that bears his name, the ninth chapter, the ninth verse, it says this, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. You see, Matthew wasn't an outcast to Jesus. He was a precious image bearer of God worthy of reaching. That's the way Jesus looked at Matthew. Notice something really important here. When Matthew was treated with love and respect and given value, which is what Jesus did that other people didn't do, He left the life that caused people to shun him and he began to follow Jesus. Friends, I think there's something really important for us to get here. Love and acceptance won him over and changed his life. Matthew the outcast became Matthew the apostle. And friends, that's very good news.
Now, Jesus didn't only don't reach the outcasts in his life. His inclusivity extended to others. His inclusivity extended to the poor. One day, Jesus himself said something incredibly profound and incredibly sad. In the Gospels, recorded in the Gospel of John, the 12th chapter, it says something that I wish the Bible didn't say. Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. The poor you will always have with you. See, Jesus understood and understands today the reality of a sin-broken world, a world where people are selfish and we, we hoard, and as a result, some people have excess and some people don't even have anything. It's the reality of the human race, and it will be the reality of the human race until Jesus establishes a new heaven and a new earth. Until then, it's a sad reality. Jesus said, the poor you'll have with you always. And part of this sad reality is that the poor are usually excluded. They're usually overlooked. It's just the way it is in a broken world. But that's not the case with Jesus. The size of a person's bank account, in Christ's eyes, has nothing to do with his love and his acceptance of a person. In the version of the Sermon on the Mount that was included in Luke's gospel. We always, always think of Matthew's version of the Sermon on the Mount. He records it, but Luke records it also. And in the way it's written there, Jesus starts the sermon by saying something to the crowd that was around him, and that crowd would have been filled with poor and needy people. And he says this, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed. Blessed? How in the world could Jesus look at a bunch of poor people that the world had no time for and say they're blessed? Aren't they the opposite of blessed? Well, that would be true if we looked at life through the grid work of how the world sees it and not how Jesus sees it. See, understand something. Jesus doesn't like poverty. Jesus knows that man was created to live in abundance in a garden. That's God's plan for humanity before man chose to follow Satan's way instead of God's way and man would lost the gift that God had given them of Eden. Yet Jesus knows that sin causes destruction and poverty is part of that destruction. And that's by the side note, church, by the way, why Christians are called to not hoard but are called to be generous so that we can do the part that God wants us to do to alleviate poverty, we do our help to part. But Jesus also knows something else about this, that riches don't bring joy and they don't really bring happiness. And the blessing that only comes from walking with Jesus and trusting in Jesus and seeing Jesus care for you and provide for you, that only comes by putting your trust in Christ. Jesus knows this, true blessings arise from a deep dependence on Jesus. That's where true blessings come, a true deep dependence on Jesus. And Jesus makes a point of saying this, that that's more likely to happen in the heart of a poor person than a rich person who oftentimes tend towards self-reliance. So Jesus looks at the poor and he says, I accept you, I love you, And my kingdom is here right now for you, and it will be fully experienced by you when I return and fully establish a new heaven and a new earth, and you have a brand new body, and you'll live with me for eternity. 
So Jesus looks at the poor of the world, the poor that he says we'll still have with us, and he says, you are included, you are blessed. And friends, that's good news. But you might be sitting in your chair right now saying, but Pastor Mark, what about the rich? Maybe you have a lot more than you need. And you look at you listen to that, you go, well, what about the rich? Are they excluded? That's not what Jesus says. They're not excluded. But Jesus does have a warning for anybody who has more than they need. You see, one day Jesus was setting out um, on a journey, and a man ran up to him and asked him a question. I want us to listen to that question. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter. And I want to just read about this conversation that Jesus has with this person. It says that he was sitting out, setting out on a journey, and a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I've kept all these things from my youth. And looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions to give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But at these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owed much property. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were even more astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said, With people it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Here's a man that just says he simply has a lot of possessions. He owns a lot of property. And he says he wants to inherit eternal life. And Jesus talks with him and says, it says this, Jesus felt a love for him. So don't misunderstand. Jesus didn't say because the guy had stuff, he didn't like him. It says Jesus loved him. Jesus felt a love for him. Jesus accepts him. Jesus loves him. Jesus wants to include him in his family. But we see something here. Although Jesus accepts him and wants to include him, he leaves the choice up to the young man. He leaves the choice up to the young man. Jesus says, I'll accept you, but you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision in your life. Knowing the man's heart, because Jesus could do that, Jesus sees that there is a barrier in the man's life. His love for possessions was his greatest love in his life. Now, it's not the possessions in and of themselves that are the problem here. It's just that they can hold a place in a person's heart that can keep them from really following after Jesus. And that's why one day Jesus taught, you can't serve both God and money. You have to choose which one will be your God. So yes, the rich as well as the poor are included in the offer to come to know Jesus as Savior and find eternal life. But Jesus just makes it clear that coming to Him as Savior 
is about making him number one in your life. And you can't do that if money or anything else is really number one in your life. Jesus, in love, is trying to help this man and help us from missing out on what's really most important in life. And what's most important is him. And friends, that's good news. So I hope we are seeing the inclusivity of the Christmas message here. It's good news for all people. And there are so many other examples from the ministry life of Jesus. To the lonely, he says, I'm always with you. To the exhausted, he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. To the anxious, he says, fear not. Jesus is all about inclusion, welcoming people in any, position, any situation in their lives. So let's just take a few more minutes and consider just one more group of people that Jesus includes on this Christmas Eve day. It's this, those who are struggling with sin. And friends, on, on Christmas Day, a day when we think about Christ and how great he is, oftentimes we also are faced with the reality of what's really going on in our own lives. And so I want to share the good news about this. What does Jesus say to those who are struggling with sin? John's Gospel tells us about a day that Jesus was teaching in the temple. In the middle of his teaching, some Jewish religious leaders dragged this woman before Jesus and told him and everyone else in the crowd that she had just been caught in sin, in adultery. Which, by the way, in that day and age was punishable by death in their society. This woman was totally excluded by the Jewish religious leaders from society. And in fact, they wanted her dead. She was not only, in their eyes, unworthy, she wasn't even worthy to live. But what does Jesus do? He says to her, to her accusers, to ones who dragged her up, any one of you who has no sin in your lives, you feel free to grab your stone and throw it at her. And it says that one by one, each person thought about their own lives and dropped their stones and walked away because they all realized that they were guilty. And I love the conversation that Jesus then has with this woman Flip over a few pages in your, in, your, in your Bible to the Gospel of John, just a couple of verses in, in John's Gospel, the eighth chapter. Talking to the woman after the people have left, Jesus says, straighten up. She'd been on the floor, straighten up. Jesus stands up, she stands up, and Jesus said to her, woman, where are they now? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. Jesus welcomes the woman that no one else would welcome. Everybody else condemned and excluded her. And Jesus looks at her and says, I do not condemn you. Jesus opens up his arms and he receives her as one of his own. And then... Because he loves her so much, and understand, friends, because he loves her so much, he adds something. He says, now go, and from now on, sin no more. He not only loves her enough to welcome her, he loves her enough to point her in a better direction. He gives her the um, 
gives, gives her a chance to, to move away from her destructive life of sin and walk in the purity that leads to joy and contentment. And friends, that is good news. Jesus says, I welcome you as you are, but I got a better way for you. Follow me in a better path. You'll be filled with joy and contentment. That's the good news of the gospel message. See, church, this Christmas message, this good news is for everyone. No one is excluded. It's good news that directs us into the best life ever. A life of not walking in sin that will destroy us, not allowing other things to rob us of Jesus being first place in our lives. Christ's coming is the best news ever. Would the worship team join me this morning? Here's my hope for each of you today is that if you have never accepted the gift of Jesus in your life, you would accept that gift today. You would welcome the good news of Christ into your life, of knowing Jesus as your own Savior and your own Lord this Christmas Eve day. You'll open up your heart and you'll say something like this, Lord, you know, what I hear is that we're all needy. We all are sinners. And I am. And Lord, there's things in my life that have kept me from walking with you, Lord. But today, the day we celebrate your coming, I want to turn away from that stuff. And I want to turn to you and I want to walk with you. I want to welcome you into my life. If you do that, friends, what we see from the good news of the message, the good message that was, that was revealed on Christmas Eve, is that that message is for everyone It's all-inclusive. He just says, come to me, and I'll help you live the life. That's the best life. That's good news. Now, we always end our Christmas Eve day, time together, by singing a song. Grab the candle that you were given. If you didn't get a candle when you came in, raise up your hand. The ushers will get you one. We always end by singing Silent Night. So turn your candle on. Let's join with our worship team and let's sing together. Let's stand.
Christmas. I'm going to close with the great blessing. After that, you are free to go. Have a wonderful Christmas celebration. If you would like prayer after church, we'll still be available for that. Our prayer team will be here. Understand that a lot of you have plans and you've got your kids and you want to run. God bless you. Feel free to go. Have a wonderful Christmas celebration. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.